1: better when I
0: Zurich iconic and thrilling. Birth in Spain, 1635. Caught the eyes of the world. Performed in almost all stages in Europe. Listed as one of the 40 greatest plays of all time. Now in Africa, Accra. It's the Afrocentric edition of Life is a Dream by Latif Abubakar. Live at the Accra International Conference Center 27th and 28th of May. Two shows each day, 4pm and 8pm for 150 cities dial star 447 star 1092 hashtag grab your tickets or visit at Latif Globe on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for details. Early bird ticket at 100 cities before the 19th of May. Available at Joy FM, Patrona Total and Airport Shell. Life is a Dream sponsored by Embassy of Spain MNC Group, the second coming of Nkrumah Project. Powered by Joy Entertainment, Graphic News App and Globe Productions. Globe Productions experience the best. Every year, something exciting comes around.
2: Get ready to swag with your favorite jersey. It's the 12th edition of the Hits FM Wrap Your Jersey. Swag app to join us for a day of fun at the Aviation Social Center. Saturday, 10th of June, 10 a.m. too late. You don't want to miss this entertainment and fun-packed day. Get ready to win amazing prizes and giveaways at the Vision Social Center. Saturday, 10th June, as we climax the UEFA Championship. Don't miss the viewing experience on the big screen with your favorite radio station. Hits
0: 103.9 FM. Tune in as we bring you the live commentary powered by Joy Sports. Join the conversation with the hashtag hitRepYourJersey. Your Jersey. The Hits FM Rep Your Jersey is brought to you probably by Hits 103.9 FM and powered by Joy Sports. Enjoy
2: Prime. Sponsored by Jama Soap. Your partner for clean clothes.
0: Mother's cool above and beyond to give us five times the love. Tell us how much your mom means to you and let HD Plus make it feel like five times the star this Mother's Day. From 13th April to 1st May 2023, record and send a 30 second video about how amazing your mom is. Feely Feel to the WhatsApp number 020 0044420 The video will compete with other entries to win one of the 65 inch Nasco flash screen TVs with an HD Plus model for mom. HD Plus, the Filly experience. If
2: there's music in heaven, it's probably classical music. Bach to express God's love. Beethoven to express God's power. Mozart to express God's laughter For a taste of heaven on earth Join Jeffrey this and every Wednesday From 10pm till midnight For the very best of classical music By the legendary composers Right here on Joy 99.7 FM
1: This is Nana window. Listen to Personality Profiles with Lexus Bill, get inspired, get nourished and grow to be the best that you want to be. Personality Profile and 99.7 FM. I love it.
0: Hello people, this is
2: Rocky Dauni and you are listening to Personality Profile on Joy 99.7 FM with my man Lexus Bills. This is the show that is meant to inspire
0: you. This is the show that is meant for you to aspire to your greatest self.
2: Hi, this is Nadia Antano, Miss Ghana 2013. Keep listening to Personality Profile with Lexis Bell every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Joy FM and be inspired. Hi, this is Mr. Simons. Keep listening to Personality Profile with Lexis Bell. This is the program that inspires you and brings you very close to your role models. Hi, my name is James Ebo White, or everyone calls me Uncle Ebo White. You know what you'll be five years from now depends on only two things the books you read and the people you meet on personality profile you meet the kind of people you meet you need to meet to make your transition to your greatness you want a program that would help you inspire you motivate you why bother to turn to other channels just stay here on personality profile and you'll get all the inspiration you need
1: You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero,
0: you could get the gold Breaking all the records they thought never could be broke. Champions
2: could be sitting in the hall of fame and the world will know your name Good evening, Ghana, and welcome to Personality Profile here on Joy 99.7 FM. My name is Lexus Bill, and on a Thursday evening like this, you know, when I take my seat, it means I have an amazing guest to talk to. So you sit back, relax. I don't know what you're doing now. Are you at home? Are you driving home from work? Whatever it is, Charlie, just relax and enjoy the next hour because you'd be listening to a very wonderful woman. Happy AU Day. Yeah, as we celebrate Africa Day today, I can confidently say my guest is one of the outstanding Africans, leading change and impacting the continent, especially in her field, education. In fact, my guest has been named as one of the top 10 finalists for the Africa Education Medal. Yeah. Now, this prestigious award recognizes individuals who have made a significant impact in education, demonstrated leadership, and advocated for improvement in education in Africa. Yeah. She's a member of the Global Education Council and a published author with papers in pure and applied sciences as well as in the field of education. Her novel, Tuesday's Child, was a quarter finalist in the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. She was the executive producer of the first student stage production of Wole Shoyinka's Death and a King's Horseman. We talked about it somewhere uh, last year here on Joy. She performed at a Ghana International School as well. Now, as a professor in Redeemer University College in Ontario, she taught teachers how to teach science to pre tertiary students. She holds a Bachelor of Science combined sciences from University of East London in the U.K., uh, a Bachelor of Education from the University of Toronto and a PhD in Biochemistry from the State University of New York. Currently, she's the principal of the Ghana International School, GIS. Dr. Mary Apia Ishan, my guest. Dog!
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so
2: welcome. How are you?
1: I am well, thank you. a bit I, sleepy, but I'm well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I tried to put coffee on the list and you rejected that. Yeah, yes, 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 so, yes. So what should we, what will wake you up now? Oh, I think talking will help. <laughs> it will, yeah. <man. laughs> One of it your favorite help. things, it isn't is, it? It is, oh, it is. Oh, so nice to have you. And you're looking good. This fabric is beautiful, though.
1: Oh, thank you. Who picked well, yeah, it up? I did. You did? Yes. Uh-huh. I picked it. No, it's, I picked it. It's I thought beautiful. it was nice and bright. And it is. Very appropriate for... No, you it know, is. Perfect. You should,
2: uh, if you're listening to us, we're live on Facebook. You can go check it out. <laughs> She's got a few fashion tips as well. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. Congratulations as well on Thank making you. the finalists uh, mm. for the Africa
1: Education Medal. Mm-hmm. It means a lot, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's beginning to sink in. Mm. The whole of last week, we had accreditation visitors at the school, so I was incredibly busy. Yeah. And then I didn't have time to really, um, to really think about it in mm. that much depth. And I think this week it's dawning on me as yeah. more and more people are calling and congratulating and all of that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to sense that it is. And it's because education is so important, mm. not just on the continent, everywhere else. It's, it's, it's the key for for change. For you, what do you think got you here? Woo. A lot of tenacity, lots of support Praying parents, praying husband. I don't know that my kids pray for me, but they think about me. <laughs> really? 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 I'm sure. you have got to answer when you go back home. I know. I know. I'm sure once in a while they do, but I've yeah. had, I've been blessed with amazing people in my life who mm-hmm. have held my hand, uh, been encouragers, and, and also been able to tell me when I'm stepping wrong. So right. having those accountability partners in your life. Uh, uh, has been has been very helpful and then just a willingness to grow mm. is this one of those things where you say uh, i'm fulfilled i am I am. I think anyone who sees me at work or hears me go on and on on social media about what I do knows yeah. that th- this is what I was meant to do. You Absolutely.
2: Know? I actually recount how you shared that you love watching children grow and you mm. record when you were a full-time class teacher and
1: yeah. every
2: new year you see your children grow taller than you yep. and whatnot. Yep. Yep. It must be all sorts of rewarding.
1: It is. It really is. And, uh, and so I, I get quite pained when... Um, I talk to people who don't like what they do or mm. who are um, who just hate what they do wish that they were doing something else and I feel blessed that uh, very early on I was able to find this path uh, and get on onto it and not have to be this old wondering what did I do wrong I wish I could have done something different I, I really feel blessed this old that you
2: mentioned you know what I mean when, <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness guys uh, we're not going to talk about your age, no.
1: But I'm okay you, talking about my age.
2: You, I'm comfortable. Okay, how old are you? I'm 55. And you look 35.
1: Wonderful. How much should I pay you for that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you totally do. Oh, so when's it? Um, cool. my firstborn is what? 30? 30, what? 30? 30, yeah, 31. 30, 31. I'm like, wait, your firstborn? Like, yes. How? <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're blessed. I, I must say. Mm-hmm. I mean, but for the little grey in your hair, uh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't make it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll talk more grays. about
2: your work, but let's mm-hmm. get to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you from, and
1: mm-hmm. where did you grow up? Okay. So uh, I'm from Enum. Enum is my tribal home. Okay. And Enum is in the eastern region, actually sitting on the border with the with the Volta region.
2: So I've had Enumbuso.
1: Yes. So, so Enum Esuja is like the next town. So Esuja is where my family comes from. Okay. But my mother's side of the family, they moved from Enum over 100 years ago and settled in Asamankese. All
2: right. So
1: Asamankese is my other hometown. Into your chinny. Inyo. Ah, <laughs> Inyo is actually... Infancy. Infancy. What, you know? Well, I'm wondering, <laughs> like, okay. What? I know. Inyo, it just came actually out of my... Because yeah. that's where my husband is from. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So see. that's that's where we are from. Mm. Uh, I grew up... I was born in Ghana. I grew up here until uh, I was about six years old, and my father got an appointment in the UK, mm. and uh, the family moved to join him for a couple of years. And uh, and then he decided he would rather... We grew up in Ghana. Why? Uh, the racism was quite harsh where we were. We lived in a place called Chigua, which I hear now is so multicultural. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't resemble what what we experienced at all. But Do at you that recall time,
2: some of the experiences? Oh,
1: gosh, totally, totally. My brother and I, uh, we were the only black kids in our school. And I can remember uh, going into the class the first day. And Miss Collins was my teacher. And Miss Collins says, we've got a new student from Africa. And then everyone's just staring at me. And then she says, who would like to sit next to Mary? And nobody. And can you imagine being a kid that first day of school and nobody wants to talk to you? Uh, And then there was this guy who later on became a really good friend who was called Guy. Guy Whiting. Mm. And Guy said, I will, I will. Yeah, you know. (laughs) So Guy and I became good friends uh, after that. But there was one incident where... Uh, The kids were talking about how I was dirty Mm. because my skin was brown and I needed to get cleaned. And um, a whole bunch of girls just sort of corralled me into the washroom, stuck my hands, you know, or pushed my hands into the loo. And, you know, to this day, I wonder why didn't I resist, Mm. you know, but I I, I don't remember why. I think I must have just been stunned, you know, and then they flushed. And presumably that was supposed to take away the brown. And um, of course it didn't. And I got home and told my dad, who was angry. So he marched to the school the following morning and uh, told the teacher what had happened. And she said, well, you shouldn't be so upset. They're just experimenting.
2: Are you serious?
1: Yeah. And then dad said, well, they shouldn't experiment with my daughter. So there was one thing after another, one thing Mm -hmm. after another that just led my dad to think... If um, he was to um, raise confident children, he thought it would be better, uh, that being done in Ghana, in Ghana, where I wouldn't be um, uh, discriminated against mm. because of the color of my skin. So uh, one August, he packed Mum and Us <laughs> back down to Ghana. And I remember uh, not being so excited because the images of... Ghana that I had seen and I couldn't remember much because we left when I was um, so young but images I'd seen uh, just portrayed just poverty Mm -hmm. and so as a child I wasn't really excited but my mom was super excited and this is one of the things sometimes I tell parents that how you feel and how you emanate joy or sorrow or whatever, the kids pick up on that. Right. So because mum was excited, uh, my brother and I, Manol and I, just thought, okay, then it can't be that bad, <laughs> you know, if mum is excited. And then we got to Ghana. And did you, did you
2: probably inquire why she was so excited?
1: I, I probably did. And her answer would have been because I'm going home. You know, because she didn't have many friends in Mm. in England and uh, she felt lonely. My mom is one of those people who can't sit still. So, you know, hers is not to sit at home at all. Yeah. Uh, So she was excited to be down and we quickly got into schools. And and then I realized that I I may be the same color as everyone, but my accent was different. Mm. And because of this, I was different again. You know, and and, and then begun this lifelong fascination with with difference and how we embrace one another and how we tolerate one another. Uh, But there are differences everywhere. And we need to teach children that the fact that someone doesn't look like you, sound like you, eat the same foods, doesn't make them worse than you. Right. This is an opportunity to learn how to live with one another. Yes, absolutely. You know?
2: Yeah. So which school was this and this was at what level?
1: Uh, when I came to Ghana. Yes. Uh, we first started out at Association International, Class mm. 4. And then uh, we spent just one term there. My mom was teaching at Achimota Prep School. Okay. And so we, uh, my brother and I moved to Achimota Prep School and I was there and then uh, finished class six. And then just, you know, walked up the street to Achimota to School. Achimota, <laughs> school yeah. And I was born in Achimota School. Wow. Yeah, my father was a chemistry teacher there. Oh, I and, see. Uh, that's, that's so academia I was in.
2: has been running through your family. Right
1: there. Mom was a teacher as well. She didn't like teaching. She <laughs> wanted to be a nurse. Oh. Yeah. And she eventually got to be a nurse at age 60. She got her certification. At age 60? 60, she went back to school. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. did you want to be? I think as a child, I wanted to be a doctor. Hmm. I kept saying I wanted to be a doctor. And I can remember my dad bought me a book of bones. Hmm. You know, the 206 bones of the body. And, a, and inside, you know, the inside cover, I wrote Dr. Maria Pierre, okay. Tennessee. I have no idea why I picked Tennessee, but it must have sounded really cool, you know, at that time. So as a child, it was that I wanted to be a doctor. And um, uh, yeah, so that continued for a while. And then I went through that teenage phase of uh, loving my body so much that it needed to be something that reflected body. And so I wanted to be—I <laughs> wanted to be an air hostess at one point. I wanted to be a pilot. I, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but I loved science. Okay. You know, so that was what propelled me. I kept on studying the sciences. Was that what and, your
2: dad was teaching? Uh, in, uh, yes, dad Asimata? taught chemistry.
1: Okay. Yeah, dad yeah, taught chemistry. So I mean, chemistry is still my favorite my favorite subject. Oh, I see. And uh, so in uh, University of London, East London, for my first degree, Mm. I did something called combined sciences because I really couldn't decide which science I wanted. So I was just picking and choosing and they allowed that. So in my second year, I loved archaeology so much, I wanted to become an archaeologist. So there was lots of just, you know, wondering what to do with myself and not quite understanding that it wasn't just that uh, idea of a particular profession, but to assess what my skills were, mm-hmm. what are the things that I do um, that are not average Yeah, maybe a little bit better than other people mm-hmm. and then to be directed you know in that area but sciences I loved science you know in that area but sciences I loved science I've always loved science I set up science clubs when mm. I was in school in my neighborhood
2: right. um,
1: my grandmother my mom tells me that when I was uh, about 5 or 6 years old I set up my own school oh dear right here in Ghana before we moved to England. I, I always wanted to be talking and yeah. bossing people around, typical firstborn, <laughs> yeah. you know, firstborn things. So it changed all along the way, uh, but it, it was funny that teaching was never anything I thought I wanted to do. Right. And it may be because of uh, the way that typically teachers are viewed. Yeah. You know, in primary school, children love their teachers to death. In fact, a lot of parents will tell you that they'll say, you know, go and sleep right now. Now, and the child will say, but I don't want to. Then you mention the teacher's name. But Miss So so and so says you need to go to sleep. Oh, okay. I'll go and sleep. Yeah. You know, primary children love their teachers. They want to be like their teachers. And then when they get to secondary school, something happens. (laughs) Teachers are not cool anymore. Right? They're the most boring people. They want you to do work. They give them all sorts
2: of nicknames. Oh, gosh. And I
1: I did the same. I did the same, you know, to my teachers. So, um, it was never something that I thought of doing.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, But when I finished my undergraduate degree, by that time, I was like, I don't think I want to do medicine. Um, So, maybe i'll do some research what what changed um i'm not so sure actually i I, i'm not so sure it's just that i started understanding me a little bit more Mm -hmm. and that i love solving problems Mm. i want to know if something needs to be fixed and my brain just moves into high gear you know, trying to figure out what to do. Unfortunately, I would not been exposed to that aspect of medicine. And the exposure I'd had was a doctor sitting in an office and you go to see that doctor and they prescribe something for you. And that sounded really boring. I didn't want to do pharmacy either because it felt like you're standing there and someone says, I've got a tummy ache. And you say, here's some mylanta or whatever. And you <laughs> yeah. give it to them, you know. So I hadn't been exposed enough to what you could do in those fields. Okay. And even to know that with medicine, I could I could still do research yeah. within within medicine. So I did, uh, but when I started my research program, I think it was in my second year or so at SUNY Buffalo, uh, when I thought, maybe I should try medicine again, Mm. you know, and um, at that time, it was just so expensive as a foreign student, it still is, you know, to study medicine, and so finance was the reason why. Oh, you know, okay. I decided just stay in the research program. And
2: do something on biochemistry. Exactly.
1: All yeah. right. So my PhD was in biochemistry. You know, I'd
2: have, I'd have loved to talk about family a bit later in the conversation. Okay. But I have to plug it in here because <laughs> <laughs> you, you got your PhD at age 26. Yes. And that's really not normal sometimes, right?
1: I, I, I,
2: I mean, guess so. I our uh, educational, yes. you know, ladder, and you know, yeah. go work a little bit, and yeah. then go do your PhD later. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But you just went away. Yeah. What's interesting though is that you were married at the time. I was with the kid. I was, I was. How old were you when you got married?
1: Twenty-two. So wow. I got married straight out of. Um, uh, I was going to say high school. Sorry, <laughs> not high school. <laughs> from, from college. So. Um, So my degree was in the UK And I did that for three years Mm. And so graduated in June August, Joe and I got married And uh, yeah August 10th and then two weeks after We were on a plane to SUNY Buffalo uh, For me to pursue my PhD And so I I actually believed I could do it all I don't think it ever occurred to me Mm. You can't do a PhD And have a child and be married And I, I did not compute that You know, it felt like this is what I want. I want to get married. I want to have a family and I want to do a PhD. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody told me that you couldn't do that. Yeah. Right. And uh, and so I just, you know, and I was I was blessed to have a partner who also believed I could do it with him as my support. So one of the photos that I really cherish is when Abeku, our firstborn, Mm -hmm. he was probably, he couldn't have been more than three months old because he was in a a car seat type rocking thing. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm doing some physical chemistry uh, (laughs) solutions. I'm solving some solutions. Yes. So uh, my right hand is with a pen and I'm doing my work. And my left hand is rocking the baby. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, I look back on that and I'm thinking, wow, you know, sheer grace that that belief you can do anything is a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a really powerful thing. And so while it was tough because this was a lot of lab work, yeah. you know, um, Joe was the main caregiver uh, for our first son. Mm. And at a certain point as a mom, I, I felt some twangs of, of guilt and jealousy because i would come back home after a long day in the lab and abeku's trying to walk he falls and he goes dad 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 you know and it's daddy he goes and i'm like come to me me i'm your the mom word is mama, mama 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 come to mama you know and it, it did oh, wow. it did hit me at yeah. that point what kind of a mum am I? Yeah. Like He doesn't even come to me. And it, it, it worried me a bit, I see. you know. But I think Joe sensed that. So he did a lot to try to alleviate that. Mm. And he'll say, go to mummy," And then maybe he'll be holding a toy. He'll throw it to me. So yeah. then Abeku then comes yeah. to me, you know.
2: Okay. But... Yeah, uh, not to not to say you took your Bible stories also too seriously,
1: <laughs> but
2: it's quite interesting to know that Mary got married to Joseph.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's right. And
2: unfortunately, you no. don't have a kid called Jesus. No, we have
1: an Emmanuel, doll. Emmanuel doll.
2: well, He's with us, of Close. course.
1: <laughs> Close enough.
2: Anyway so now you're you're done with your phd and mm. certainly it, it was quite challenging i think mm. earlier you mentioned some of the things that you went through mm-hmm. in the laboratory you'd go and you have a your mm-hmm. your, your your what Samples. was it your sample tolling and yeah. whatnot what was yeah. all that about
1: I, I i you know it was it was so unexpected for me because we tend to look at scientists as these Almost pure human beings who are not riddled with jealousy, who um, are just pursuing academia for the sake of mm-hmm. academia, and so it wasn't something that I expected. But there was a real push to to publish. If you didn't publish, you perished. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was that line: publish or perish, and uh, just a lot of backbiting, you know, uh, from different members of the group. Wow! And our research group was focused on trying to find a cure for AIDS. So I'm talking, this is in the 90s, the early 90s. And because we didn't have a level 4 containment lab, uh, we couldn't go beyond level 1. So we had to use mice. So some members of the team were developing the drug, and um, I I shouldn't get too technically sciencey here, but we had to, the, the active site of one of the enzymes that catalyzes you know, the, the production of the virus, that active site was was what we were targeting, okay. right? So you, you do a drug or you, you create the drug and it should be big enough that it can fit into the active site and stay there even when the active site mutates, mm. right? But at the same time, it must be small enough that it must cross the, the blood-brain barrier. So that's what we kept on going back and forth. So that was the chemistry side of it. Mm. And then afterwards then, we would then have these mice, bulb C mice that were created, I think, are Harvard they are these white mice with red eyes that are used for research everywhere, actually created for research, cloned for that, that purpose, and then you inject them with a the drug to see the toxic effects of the drug and then you give them the virus to watch them get sick and then try to cure them mm. okay. right? yeah. so I would be taking samples blood samples every so often, and these blood samples I would put into nitrogen um, uh, tanks right mm-hmm. to freeze them mm-hmm. immediately so there were sometimes I would come back to the lab and you know, they they had disappeared. And these are samples that you have taken from these mice that you have been watching for months. Wow! And so that would mean you have to go back and start all over again and, and that sort of thing. So it could be very, very stressful, you know, um, was it jealousy? Was it sabotage? Yeah. More sabotage than jealousy. And, um, not quite sure why, except to be the first to publish. Okay. you see okay. what I mean? I get because the competition is there. Yeah. And especially when you're researching in an area that is, uh, you know, big news. AIDS yeah. is big news. Yeah. You know, so everybody, there's a race against time. It's a bit like when they were discovering the structure of DNA, mm. you know, and the race to discover the structure. And this person says, I've got it. No, I did it before you, but I told this person, yeah. that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that going on in wow. academia that people, have no idea
2: about you'd later uh, start teaching
1: Yes, yes, that was when we moved to Canada so after my degree, um, we were wondering where do we live which is you know is a concept that I look back on and I'm thinking the world had become so accessible that Mm -hmm. Joe and I were like okay where would we like to live we actually had choice we thought we still had Ghanaian passports so it's not like you know we thought we could go anywhere but we didn't want to go back to England which is where we met and got married why not we didn't like it that much okay. at that time, and we didn't feel that the opportunities were there. Okay. And Ghana in the early 90s, uh, no. <laughs> no, we were not brave enough. I, I applaud all those who <laughs> were here or moved here, but we were not brave enough at that point. Mm. And uh, Joe trained as a marine engineer, and he said he recalled that uh, his, one of the ships he was on had gone to Vancouver. Mm. And he said, Canada is actually really, really nice. And it's a cross between England and America. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really want to stay in America either. So he said, why don't we try Canada? And so we applied for Canadian permanent residence. And I guess because of our qualifications and uh, his experience, because he had work experience, we were able to to get permanent residence in Canada. And we moved up to Canada. Unfortunately for us in 96, there was uh, a recession. And so we couldn't find, well, he got a job because he had gone on ahead of me, uh, but I couldn't find a job in research. Mm. Uh, there was one that came up, but they wanted me to work 12-hour shifts. And with a baby, I was like, forget about it. I can't do this. So I was driving around in Toronto, and then I saw a sign that said Queensway Christian College. And I thought, that's odd. Why do you have to put the Christian there? You know, why Why are you boldly... You know, not that you shouldn't be bold about it, but I want to know why. And I'm quite curious. So I, I parked my car, got down, and I went into the school office, and I said, I'd like to know why this is a Christian college. <laughs> and they said, well, we follow the Ontario curriculum, right? Uh, but then, for example, we teach... We're required to teach evolution. But if... Um, uh, After we teach evolution, then we teach creation because that's what we believe. I said, I like that. Do you need a teacher in chemistry or biology? (laughs) And they said, no, but you can leave your CV. And whenever you're looking for a job, you know you have your CV in the car, in your bag, everywhere. (laughs) So I quickly ran back to the car, brought my CV over. Within a week, they called me. The chemistry teacher had resigned. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that's how I got into teaching. You have a hand in that. I must have. Somebody must have been praying for me. But I thought it was a short-term thing. You know, I'm going to be here, you know, like a year or so. And then my dream job, whatever that was, because I don't think I knew what my dream job was. So I did that the first year. And I found that during the summer, all I did was prepare experiments ready for the second year. Mm. I couldn't wait to see my kids in the second year. So, came in second year, loved it again. By the third year, I was like, okay, I think I'm loving this a lot. Yeah. They pay crap, but I'm (laughs) loving this a lot. So, I was like, Joe, can you keep on working and get good jobs so I can continue teaching, you know? And which man doesn't want his wife to just keep quiet and do whatever (laughs) she wants to do, right? And so... um, I decided I'm going to go back to school. So that's when I went back to the university and I got a Bachelor of Education degree. And uh, I knew I was great in the classroom. I was Mm. a good teacher. Um, I was one of those that people would say is a natural teacher. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have the pedagogical skills. I had not been taught how to teach. And so I went back and studied that and came back. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah.
2: Wow what was the biggest challenge Mm. as a teacher in canada
1: biggest challenge um it would probably be the same challenge you would find a lot of teachers around the world would say which is trying to get parents to understand that you want what's best for their kids as well you know that synergy between home and school you know that you are committed to their child's success. Um, And so you would find that whether uh, a well-endowed school or a school in an underprivileged area, regardless, all parents want their children to succeed when they bring them to school. But sometimes crossing a little bit to understanding that that teacher who's sitting across from you telling you that little Johnny is a big pain in the patootie, Right? That that teacher really does care, and that's why they're telling you, mm. so you know what, work together yeah. work together it's, it's a working together thing., yeah. so that was a huge challenge for me to to understand why somebody wouldn't you know join me halfway.
2: Right now mm. let's talk about the the differences with the educational sector mm. in Ghana and let's say Canada or any other place uh-huh. that you probably schooled or taught.: Yeah, really, where are the gaps?
1: Um, gaps. I, I would say that, you know, we, we uh, here in Ghana, whether you're in a public or a private school, we really appreciate rigor. Um, how we define rigor, though, is, is a thing. And, and uh, I, I find that even when I, I think about my own schooling, rigor meant hard. Mm. You know, and uh, even in universities here, you find some professors saying, my course, nobody passes. Mm. You know, how could you be a teacher who has this as a goal? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the whole point of teaching uh, is to get a child from point A to point B, a person from point A to point B. And if you already start out by saying nobody passes my course, (laughs) I find that just preposterous. You know, so there's a gap in understanding why we're doing what we're doing, mm. that it's meant to really move children from a position of not understanding something, not being exposed to that thing, and having that aha moment, Yeah. you know, and uh, when I taught a little bit and I got a bit bored, I decided to go to teach in a university so I was teaching at Redeemer University and teaching teachers, so it was an undergraduate program uh, and I always used to tell the teachers in my program that when the bell goes and your kids don't leave the room, you know you've done something right, right? Because most of the time, about 15 minutes of the time, the kids are packing, right? (laughs) And if you're in North America where, you know, the kids really can tell you whatever they want to and, you know, there's a bit more forward talking by children, they'll be like, is it over already? Isn't it over already? Why can't we go out? Da, 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 da. You know, Ghanaian child, they'll sit down quietly. (laughs) As soon as bell goes, put their stuff in their bags, and then they're out the door. But when you're teaching, and is it's so inspiring and so interesting, and you've captivated your audience, Mm -hmm. that bell will go, and the children will stay. And that's when you know you've landed, you know, and I kept telling them that should be what you aim for. And so you should ask yourself, how do you pace your lessons? Right. Children Mm -hmm. are coming to you with something new. And whenever we have anything new to learn, there's a little bit of us that is frightened. Mm -hmm. For some people, there's a big part of us Mm -hmm. that is frightened. And I always liken it to me learning how to swim at age 50. I've almost drowned three times. Oh, dear. And so I have this phobia. I had this phobia. In fact, in secondary school, going to take a shower was terrifying because each time water poured over my face, I started panting. Wow. Right, because of the experiences I'd had. So bucket. With a water and a (laughs) pail. That's my thing, you know.
2: And is this the is this the wife of the marine engineer?
1: Oh totally. Yeah, I'm useless. (laughs) (laughs) Useless. But that was why my 50th birthday, every birthday since age 40, Mm -hmm. I've tried something new. I told myself from age 40, I'm gonna do something I've never done before. I will challenge myself. So at age 50, it was to learn how to swim. And GIS has a pool, so before the kids would get to school. 5 a.m. I'm at the school pool and I had an instructor there and I thought, I'm not going to do the length of the pool. I'm just (laughs) going to do the breath. Come on. Let's not stretch ourselves here. All right. Just the breath of the pool. And uh, on my birthday, I actually swam. Wow! But I kept on telling, you know, my friends when I was just explaining why I had to do what I did. Because one time when I tried to learn how to swim, I ended up joining a group at a community center. Uh, that was meant for it It said, uh, was it, I've forgotten what they call them, uh, those who are afraid of water, hydrophobics or something like that. And um, so I joined this group, I go for the first lesson and I'm the youngest there. By this time, you know, I'm in my 40s and everybody looks like they're over 60. And I'm so embarrassed (laughs) because suddenly this class looks like a class for really old people. What am I doing here? And so the instructor comes and he's standing at the deep end. Mm -hmm. And we are at the shallow end. And he goes, hello, everybody. I'm so-and-so. He introduces himself. And he goes, so we're going to start out with, are you Mary? And I said, yes, I am. I was like, oh, shoot. He's going to ask me to do something crazy. (laughs) And true enough, he said, why don't you come over to me? Now, bear in mind, he's at the deep end. (laughs) I'm at the shallow end. So when he says, come over to me, I walk at the side of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, nah, 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 get in Into the water. The and I said, but I can't do that. He goes, but you're going to. Oh, so wow. I get in the water. Even as I'm recounting right now, my heart is beating because I can remember how afraid I was. Yeah. And all the time he was encouraging, 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 mm. until I couldn't feel the bottom of the pool. And I said, ah! And all of a sudden he lifted me up and then he slowly guided me to that point in the deep at the deep end Mm -hmm. and taught me just how to float and all of that. And I tell my teachers this, this experience that teaching a new concept is like that child being at the shallow end, afraid to get in. You are in the deep end. You already get it. Mm -hmm. And to you, it's not scary. It's not new. It's not frightening or anything. You're telling the kid, why can't you do it? You know, you're dumb or whatever. You're telling, no. You give a hand. You let them know you're there. I'm going to hold your hand. Let's do this step by step and encouraging along the way until the child can float by themselves.
2: I think you should go back to the classroom actually.
1: I'm telling you. I'm just, <laughs>
2: I really think you should. I went
1: crazy in one class. I was walking around and it was a chemistry class. I thought, oh my God, I've got to go in. <laughs> so I did, and they were teaching, uh, balancing some equations. The teacher asked who wants to who wants to come and balance. And of course, all the kids see Dr. Ishan in the classroom. Nobody <laughs> wanted to do anything. So I put my hand up. And the teacher says, You sure? I said, Oh yeah, I'm sure. So they gave me the marker and I went crazy. Wow! At the end of the day, my son said, mom, I heard you went into a classroom and went crazy.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. That. What yeah. made you come back to Ghana though?
1: It was time. It was time. I'd, I'd always known that uh, I needed to be where my impact could be felt. Um, I, I thrive, and I think most human beings do, thrive on knowing that you've made a difference. Hmm. And at a certain point, I felt like I was just on a wheel, just turning. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, my parents had retired, moved back to Ghana. My two brothers had moved back to Ghana. Uh, I already had a project through the university where I was lecturing, where I was sending students down. We started an adult literacy program in Asamankese, and we built a school. Mm. And so there were already projects I was coming down for. Um, so it wasn't so hard for me to imagine myself here. Mm. Uh, but I just felt it was the right time. We prayed about it. <clears throat>
2: yeah. And the GIS project looked like a good one that you could take up?
1: Definitely, because I had had offers from other schools okay. uh, here. But when the GIS one arrived, I got the call from the board chair. Um, it felt right. I felt right. Uh, I knew of GIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew the rumors that everybody seems to know. Which are? Oh, I'd heard bad kids and unruly this and that. And, oh, they don't study. You know, I'd heard all of that. Uh, but that's what I love. I love being able to change things. So if this is the perception, I'm, I'm going to work hard to change it. And I'm going to build a team around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I need is support. And so I did tell the board this, that I will, I will do what I need to do uh, if you support me.
2: If you're just joining us, Dr. Maria Shen is the principal of GIS, and she's on Personality Profile. If you've got any questions, you can send us uh, a message on WhatsApp, 55 okay? Uh okay? Any comments at all, you can send them in. So it's been how many years at GIS? Nine years or eight, eight years? years? Eight years. How have they been?
1: They have been incredibly fulfilling, very tough, mm. but very fulfilling. Most, most tough things, when you, when you uh, conquer them or, or, mm. or do them well, are fulfilling. So it was, it was different for me. Um, coming back and uh, everyone knowing I'm, I'm Ghanaian, I was born here, but I've never worked here before. You know, I left Ghana when I was 18 years old. So for all intents and purposes, I was this Canadian person Mm -hmm. coming in and having... Some of my ideas misconstrued as acece yeah you know that that sort of thing, so I had to adjust well, but what I had purpose when I was coming was to listen more. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized i didn't do that too well. I talked more than I listened <laughs> <laughs> so i I've, I've been working on that yeah. very much to listen more uh, to hear people um, to 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 build people around me um so that I don't end up doing everything because there are capable people yeah. here. And I love I love showing my team off. I love showing the school off because mm. to me, it's African excellence uh, at work.
2: What are some of the achievements you're proudest of?
1: Ooh, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you know, I keep coming back to the team, Yeah. you know, uh, and when I see the team, you know, the bigger team, which is all the staff of GIS, right from the person who opens the gate, you know, um, love my guys to bits at the gates there to those who are tending the lawns and making sure that the environment is pleasing because you need that to learn well, yeah. you know. Uh, and right over to the teachers who are the frontline front line workers, I mm-hmm. call them, you know, the soldiers right there, and then to the management team who keep me in check. I keep them in check too, but they <laughs> keep me in check. But uh, they are marvelous at what they do, experts in their field, always willing to learn you know uh, i 'm very proud of the team that that we have i 'm also proud of the working relationship that we have with our board of directors, especially the chair of the board, mm. uh, that um, we know that he and the team care mm. about what we do um, they also have the same vision that we have, and we 've been able to nurture that relationship uh, because of that we 've been accredited. Uh, Since I've been there, 2018 was our first major accreditation. We just completed a preparatory visit, and um, for all intents and purposes, we passed that one as well. Uh, The programming that we have um, developed, I'm especially proud of the fact that I I do hope that one of my legacies at GIS will be um, making sure that GIS, which was you know, previously thought of by many people as being a school for the rich and a school for white people and a school for basically the privilege that we're not saying we're not that still, you know, <laughs> we're not denying the privilege, yeah. but we're saying we're using our privilege to help others. Right. And so GIS is poised to make impact in Ghana, in Africa by being a model mm. of excellence in education. And to this end, we partner with the GES to train teachers we partner with other schools just this afternoon the association of internationally certified schools in Ghana so schools like ours that offer IB Cambridge and other international certifications they had a training in our school oh, and right. so three of our teachers led that training in AI technologies yeah you know strategies in the classroom cuz many teachers are fearful of of as they say this ai mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so the kids are totally cool with that yeah but but you're teaching these kids who already know all of this stuff so um the the workshop was designed to teach teachers strategies and it was held at our school we hosted it That's so cool. we want to be that center of excellence and be impactful our teachers are going out into villages on their own time mm-hmm. during their holiday time Right, to go and teach teachers in rural areas. And I believe because we have made it our mandate uh, that we are an asset to Ghana. Right? Mm. That's why we call Ghana International School.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I got a message from uh, my big brother, Dr. Randy Abe. Mm. Says, kindly extend my congratulations to Dr. Shen. She's doing a great job with our kids. Oh, uh, so there you thank go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good stuff. Now, I mean, talk of impact and uh, trying to help mm. Back in March 2021, you learned about a young man, Oheneba mm. in Krabia, yeah. who sat entrance exams and gained admission to your school. Uh. <laughs> your school, Achim School. I know. And was denied entry because he had dreadlocks. Um, I remember reading your paper, the mm. issue of the other when it comes to admissions. Mm. I think one of the parts that really caught my attention. Is that I'm also an adult who, if given the opportunity at <laughs> age sixteen, I would have had a different hairstyle every week.
1: Every week. You know, know you
2: know. worked with some parents and got him a scholarship to GIs. But yes. tell me why that issue was such a big deal in certain precedents and and whatnot in our educational sector.
1: Uh, I, I think it comes to just our inability to 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 want to change. Um, we're so satisfied with the status quo you know we we hardly rebel Um, we like things to stay the same you know and traditions are safe things for us Uh, so we like to hold on to them even when they don't make as much sense as maybe they did Mm -hmm. some time ago. And just like policies in schools, and I talked about guidelines and policies in my paper, that um, they're meant to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. You know, you write something out in 1960. This is 2023. It doesn't mean that it still holds, you know. So I, I had both sides where... You know, I commiserated with the school because I could see that it was an operational preference, Mm -hmm. right, where this is what I would prefer it to be. And I actually had an issue uh, just this week about students wearing uh, a non-school sweater. This is at GIS, Mm. right? Non-school sweater. And we asked that the the children don't wear this again. You know, the school sweater, we don't prescribe a particular one. We just say it needs to be plain. Mm. It can be black, green yellow. We prefer black and green, but it should be plain, mm. right? And there's a reason for that. When you are trying to corral a thousand something children, and look at Achimoto school. I think at last count, there were about 4,000 kids there, you know? And you're trying, even for those of you listening who are parents, right? You have three, four kids at home. Just trying to get them downstairs to have breakfast is next to impossible sometimes. By the time you sit in the car, you're upset. Yeah. Before you get to work, you're upset. The kids have upset you. So imagine having a 1,000 students, 1,005, 4,000 students. you got to somehow create some sort of an assembly line where everything is the same, you know. So there's that operational part of it that I really commiserated with the head of school, uh, in Nachimota and uh, the, the, the authorities and wanting to keep things the same, you know. But at the same time, I looked at it as... This is this is not showing any inclusiveness. The bit of bias there. Mm. What does the dreadlocks what, what what do the dreadlocks pose? A danger to whom? You know, mm-hmm. I and I questioned that a lot, you know. So I struggled, you know. Lots of people were saying, Mary, you got to say something. Or I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to. Until one night I just woke up. I thought, I'm going to say something, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I knew that I was standing in a sort of abyss, you yeah. know, on one side being an old achimotan and a proud one at that. I love my school to yeah. bit, right? Like I said, I was born there, you know. Uh, and then on the other side, being an educator who's aim is to get every child a great education Mm. you know so i felt caught in between but um that last line about me doing all of those things to my hair is because that age group is the most experimental in the life cycle of a human being right like kids will be kids yeah it doesn't mean we excuse what they do but we have to understand development and then make plans to Good stuff. That, yeah.
2: Renee Dodoa says, I'm loving it. She's a born teacher. <laughs> I love her teacher student relationship concept. Teacher pa-pa-pa. I pa, pa. ah, <laughs> love it. And um, uh, this one is from Francis in Accra. Good to hear mommy talk. Please tell her I want to come over to her school to learn and become like her. I'm a teacher into universal design learning and learning disabilities. Fantastic. That's from Francis. Thank you so much, Francis. Francis, come over. Look, you're, you're totally amazing. And it's, uh, it's. I mean, I just got a message from uh, a headmaster. Uh, it says, Mary, you are very inspiring. I need you in my school to inspire my science students and staff of St. John's Grammar School. I'll be there. I think we, we, need, to, <laughs> we need to set that up as well. What's the biggest lesson life has taught you?
1: Oof. Patience. Patience. Gosh. And it's not that I didn't have patience. I mean, yeah, I didn't i must tell the truth (laughs) i didn't mm. uh but i don't think i was an impatient person Mm. but um i didn't realize how much my mother's um what is this a a proverb uh uh what's a proverb again uh gosh i've just forgotten Uh, i think that's what i know okay okay yeah but just basically, when I think about the times when I have patiently waited, mm. hard as it was, you know, and uh, there was one teacher at GIS who one time, you know, I can't remember what it was that happened. I think we had, uh, we've got something called the Time Conference that we initiated uh, seven years ago and the time conference was to bring teachers together to motivate them and empower them and so on. It has grown from grace to grace. It's a wonderful teacher uh, program every September that we hold at GIS and I can remember sitting down with this teacher and we're chatting and she said, I now see all the things that you talked about.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and I used to play chess as a child. Mm. Right? And I do remember that about five plays down the line I would know what I wanted to happen but I would put things in place and then wait patiently for the other person to make those moves I anticipated they would make yeah and so patience I have learned a lot of patience I'm still learning Mm -hmm. uh, but I've realized that my life is better when I am a patient person
2: we're going to learn that value from Mm you honestly (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with us Thank and you. once again congratulations as Thank well you so much. Thank on you for making the time. it to the top 10 of the Africa Education Medal finalists. Thank you. God bless you so much.
1: Thank you so much.
2: If you had to just in 10 seconds mm. advise anybody what will it be?
1: Be true to yourself. Okay. Be true to yourself.
2: And with that, we round up personality profile here on Joy 99.7 FM with the principal of the Ghana International School GIS, Dr. Mary Ishan. Thank you for spending time with us. If you missed any part of the conversation, the video is live on Facebook. I'm Lexus Bill. Enjoy your evening.